What is up, TLR? Hey, long time no see. Uh, real quick, before we get started, one, I wanna reintroduce myself. If you weren't in the room at the top of the night, my name is Chad Ward, uh, and it, it's so awesome uh, to meet you like this, and I hope to meet several of you afterwards. But uh, before we go any further, uh, I just wanna acknowledge the fact that for many of you in the room, uh, deciding to come to TOR, um, yeah, it, it was really easy, but then for others of you in the room, uh, it was a very big decision. Uh, whether it was because it was their first time or because you're having an overwhelming week or because decisions, uh, we're gonna be talking about that tonight, uh, can just be a lot. And so uh, if you're needing a win this week, I just wanna let you know, congratulations, uh, you've made it. And we're honored that you would spend your Wednesday night uh, with us. We're in part two of a series that we're calling IDK, Understanding God's Will for Your Life. Uh, last week, Samer kicked us off with an amazing message. Uh, and, and the gist of it, if you weren't here, you can go back on our YouTube page and watch it, but it, it is introduced this idea that God is not trying to send you on a wild goose chase to understand what his will for your life is. Uh, that rather than just trying to figure out, man, the exact plan that he has for you, uh, we read in the book of Matthew to look to God, to trust him with everything, to seek the kingdom and all of its righteousness and that everything else, even the things that we aren't quite sure of yet will be added to us. Uh, we ended with this, th this point right here that our goal should be to live out his revealed will rather than figure out his concealed will. That maybe for you and I, that we don't need to know everything, but that, hey, we can just seek God with everything today and trust him with tomorrow. Uh, but each and every one of those days are filled with a million little things, big and small, difficult and easy, complicated and not so complicated. And I talked about it in the very beginning are these right here, these decisions. The decisions, they can plague our lives. And uh, I don't know about you, but for me, uh, decisions can be extremely overwhelming. The decisions, they can be both difficult and draining. For you, maybe uh, these decisions that you're too overwhelmed to make a decision, you've been too tired to make a decision, you've been too exhausted to make a decision. Have you ever said the words, I just can't today? Like, like, I just, what can't you do? I don't know, but I can't do it. Like, I can't make a decision today. It, it can be really difficult. Uh, one of the most annoying decisions uh, that I've ever had to make uh, or my wife, Sarah, has ever had to make uh, in our entire lives is as simple as where we're gonna eat. Um, maybe you're sitting next to the person uh, that the argument you got into earlier uh, was where are we gonna go eat food? And you're like, TLR has food. And it's like, ah, oh, but I'm still mad. Like, so I, I don't know what that's like for you, but uh, I knew uh, before we got married that we could make it through even the toughest of battles uh, because she couldn't just tell me that she wanted Chipotle. And we made it through dating. And so uh, I don't know if you have have friendships like that uh, for you that going and finding a place to eat is the most difficult decision. But for me and my house, I make a decision and it's still wrong, but that's fine. <laughs> but last week we introduced this idea of God's will and understanding God's will, but we also made this announcement uh, that Jake Williams, if, if you haven't had a chance to meet him, is gonna be your new director of TLR. Uh, he's gonna be here in just a few weeks. Got one clap, what's up, Jake? Uh, but. I love him, he, he's a really good friend of mine. Uh, we've gotten to do ministry together. And, but then I also met Jake uh, back whenever he was still in college and I was graduated, what's up? Uh, and so uh, a mutual friend uh, that I used to live with, he was my roommate, uh, knew Jake and was like, Jake's cool. And I'm like, you're cool, 
I bet you you're not lying. And so uh, he said, hey, Jake is thinking about going into ministry. Um, would you call this guy? Because I was already working and one of our churches was like, hey, would you just tell him what it's like? It was this program where you're in seminary and working at the same time. And so I'm giving the number to Jake Williams. Never met the guy and we get up on the phone uh, and he's talking at the time and he'll tell you all this story, uh, but if it's different, I'm, mine's right. Um, but he, he was pre-med at the time which means he's really smart, allegedly. Uh, and so he's pre-med and he's making the decision, hey, am I gonna go to med school or like Jesus school? And I'm like, well, I'm in Jesus school and I love it, so you should do it too. And so long story short, over the course of the 30 minute conversation, uh, he walked away going like, man, I have something really to think about. And he'd been feeling God pulling the tug on his heart uh, to go into seminary and to learn about all of this and to go into ministry. And so he ended up, long story short, not going to med school. And now he's your TLR director, so you're welcome. Uh, but it was a big decision in his life and he would say that the decisions he was making were both difficult and draining that he had studied so hard, that he had taken so many practice MCATs, like he had done so much. And maybe for you, the biggest decision that you've made this year is having to change your major into something that is much harder. Maybe for you, the decision that's, that's weighing you down is that you need to change your major to something that's a little easier. And there's the shame and the insecurity that comes with that. Maybe for you, the decisions are really, really big or small, but uh, regardless, I know for me in my life, and this isn't just true in college, it wasn't just true for me in high school, it's not just true for me now, I, I wish sometimes that whenever it comes to the decisions in our lives, that whenever you sign up to be a follower of Jesus, that you just automatically got God's direction for your life, right? Like that God could kind of work like a GPS, that you just kind of like plug in your life, like whenever I get in the car, and this is true, like I, I, I will use the GPS to get home later and I, I know where I live. Like I, I will do that because it tells you everything. It tells you exactly what turns to make. You don't even really have to think. It's like a Tesla with a little bit of effort. Like I don't own a Tesla, but it's like you're getting home and, and it tells you whenever there's an accident, whenever there's gonna be traffic, it can tell you the shorter route to go on. And sometimes I wish that like God kind of worked like a GPS like God's positioning system. Like I, I wish that we could just like, hey, as soon as you're in a relationship with God, that he would just tell you, don't date her, invest in that, invest in GameStop, whatever, in crypto. Like I don't, I don't know really what crypto actually is, but it's like, I wish that God could actually tell me what his will for my life is in all seriousness. I wish that God worked in the way of just giving us direction for our lives because there are so many decisions, the big ones, the small ones, and the complicated ones, the ones that don't just affect you, but it affects the people around you. Decisions happen each and every day and God doesn't just respond with like, hey, I'm gonna give you every little bit of direction, but he does something uh, that can maybe be one of the most frustrating things, but also one of the most rewarding things, one of the best things about being a follower of Jesus. And that's whenever we ask God for direction, God asks us to practice discernment. Whenever we ask God for direction, like, God, would you tell me where I should go? God, God comes back and says, hey, I would love for you to practice discernment. If you don't know what discernment is, discernment is pretty much just being able to weigh the difference between right and wrong. Or maybe being able to tell the difference and weigh the difference between good and better and best. 
And for you, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, we've all had big decisions in our life that the direction wasn't quite clear. That you needed to kind of weigh between good, better, and best, a terrible decision and a great decision. And here's why this matters, even in its simplest form, we've all made the right ones and benefited from it. And then for many of us, we've made the wrong ones and lived to regret it. And so in something as big as God's will for your life, understanding God's will for your life, if there is a God's will for my life, learning how to be able to practice discernment, because I don't know about you, I haven't gotten the GPS that just tells me the direction of my life yet. But practicing discernment is something that each and every one of us in the room can do. And so tonight, what we want is I want for this to be extremely practical. I want this to be extremely tangible. I don't want you to just walk out of this room and not actually have a handle, a clear handle on how we can seek God's will for our life through the means of discernment. So we're gonna be talking about three questions. Three guiding questions that get at the heart as to God's hopes and dreams for your life. Three guiding questions that actually teach us how to be able to discern between good and better and best. At the heart of not only what God wants for you, but really deep down the things that you want, hope, and dream for you. And so the first of these questions is, is a question that I actually grew up on. And if you've been around our church for a long time, maybe you've heard this before, but my hope is tonight that maybe you would hear it in a new way or maybe even hear it in a real way. So this is question number one. You can write this down in light of my past experiences, my present circumstances, and future hopes and dreams. What is the wise thing to do? And so maybe you've heard like the, the, the adage, like I need to make the wise choice. Like wisdom is really important. What is the wise thing to do? What would Jesus do? WWJD, like it's probably wise. But what I love about this question is that the first three lines do one thing and it allows us perspective. That perspective is key and it's something that we don't always feel in the moment. It's not something that we always have whenever we're in the thick of it, but perspective, looking at our past, recognizing the present, what you're stepping into, and then acknowledging your future hopes and dreams actually gives us the perspective needed to be able to make the wise choice. And here's why it's important to have all three is because oftentimes for me, whenever I'm in the middle of making a decision, I typically can only see one of them right here in front of my face. Is that I'm needing to make a decision, but I'm really feeling a lot of shame for the thing that happened five years ago. I really wanna make a decision, but the things that happened earlier today and right now, and it's like going on, maybe you're in one of those seasons where your present circumstances are keeping you from seemingly able to see your decisions clearly. That you're currently going through the breakup, that you're currently dealing with anxiety, that you're currently, 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 and it makes the current decisions that much tougher. Or maybe for you, it's the worries about tomorrow that are right here that you're worried about how you're gonna pay for that. You're worried about how you're gonna figure that out. You're worried already just a couple weeks into the semester about the test that's happening in a couple more weeks. Am I already gonna have to drop the class and retake it next semester? 
I don't know what that is, but allotting that perspective. And so tonight uh, we're gonna be looking a lot of places in God's word. And so I encourage you to highlight. I encourage you to flip open your Bibles. I encourage you uh, to find it in your phone, but we're gonna be flipping all over the place. And so at first we're gonna be looking the book of Proverbs written by a man that's described as one of the wisest to ever live, King Solomon. Talking about what God's hopes are for you in regards to this question, in regards to wisdom. How do I get wisdom? Well, we look at it in Proverbs chapter two, verses one through four. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands, store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding and you look for it, as for silver and search for it as hidden treasure. We're gonna pause. This passage on wisdom, this passage in trying to be able to discern and make a decision in your life. In this passage, there are eight action verbs. Eight action verbs, not eight, there's eight. And there's eight action verbs that are actually describing, hey, these are things that you can do. I don't know about you, but whenever I'm trying to figure out God's will for my life, I can oftentimes find myself in a situation where I'm just waiting, like for God to send me a sign. I'm just waiting for God to show me the direction. And whenever we read this verse in Proverbs, there are actually eight things that you can do. I'm gonna read back through them real, real quick. You can accept, you can store up, you can turn your ear, you can apply in your heart, call out for insight, cry aloud for understanding, look for it and search for it. And what do we read is on the other end of whenever we do these eight things, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. The verse continues, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Whenever I'm making decisions in my life, I would love wisdom. I would love knowledge. I would love understanding. And there are actual handles that God has given us to be able to receive wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And when you receive wisdom and knowledge and understanding, then you will understand, it continues, then you will understand what is right and just and fair. Every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. For many of us, the thing that is holding us back from discerning God's will in our life and continuing to hold on for just a very clear direction is fear of where that's gonna take us down the road is fear that where God is leading us is not actually where I want to be. But the irony is, if we read this verse, that whenever you seek his discernment, whenever you discern through what is wise, what is good, what is better, and what is best, that actually what you receive on the other end is knowledge that is pleasant to your soul, is peaceful, is calming. It's not just knowledge in your head, but it's actually the wisdom that will enter your heart that this discretion, it's gonna protect you and understanding will guard you that actually whenever we receive wisdom, that isn't just something we store up in our heads, but it sinks into our heart. That this is actually comforting, that it's pleasant to the soul. 
And so all these things, like, I mean, that, that would be amazing. Uh, but my instincts, whenever I want to find wisdom or I wanna think about the right thing to do for me, and I don't know if this is you, but I oftentimes look inward. I oftentimes look within myself to try to figure out the right thing. And that's completely natural. But something that I've learned over time is that the best wisdom is often sought out, not found within. That the best wisdom in life is often sought out. It comes from outside yourself, not found within, which makes a lot of sense because like if I had the wisdom within me, I probably could have made the decision easily. And so finding wisdom, being able to get outside of yourself to have somebody around you to describe like, hey, recognize your past, your present and your future hopes and dreams. It's found outside of yourself. It's sought out. And so you might be asking the question, well, how do I seek it? How do I find wisdom and knowledge and understanding? How do I find these things that will be pleasant to my soul? Well, it's back in the verse we read in the very beginning. Proverbs 2, my son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, what does this mean? If you accept my words, the words that are found within God's word, if you store up my commands, Psalm 119, verse 11, for I have stored the word so deep within my heart that I will not sin against you, God. That this is a collection, that this is storing the richness of who God is over and over so that way whenever the going gets tough, the tough actually has knowledge stored within their heart. Turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, turning your ear to people around you that are wise, community in your life that are wise. I wanna ask the question, do you have wise community and are you seeking advice from them? And then taking that wisdom and not just hearing it, but actually applying it in your heart. And then this one, call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding. This is all about praying. Saying, God, like I need you to show up because I want to be able to understand this. I want to be able to have insight, the insight that only you can provide and to look for it as for silver and to search for it as hidden treasure. You know what would happen <laughs> if I said, hey, there's like silver underneath one of your chairs and it's worth a billion dollars. This room would go bananas. Like every single person in this room, it would look really different and I wouldn't be able to finish my message. So like it, it would be just this like, like there would be like fists brawling, like a fight, like it would be insane. And this is the way that God describes how you are supposed to actually search for wisdom through discernment in your life. That nothing can stop you from finding hidden treasure. That nothing can stop you from finding the insight that God is offering. And so this question, question number one, in light of my past experiences, my present circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? What's the wise thing to do? For many of the decisions that you're trying to make in life, this right here will give you just enough time, just enough perspective to be able to say, hey, I, I really, really want this down the road. I really, really want this with my marriage one day. I really, really want this type of relationships with my kids one day. I really, really want this employer one day to be able to see me in this light. I really, and not even just want, but I know this is what's best for me. 
and that the wisdom, knowledge, and understanding that is seeped within your soul, that it can actually provide the answers to that more clearly? It's question number one. Question number two, and honestly, whenever we were going through this, this question got me because I feel like I haven't been asking this question or my answer isn't what I would like for it to be too much too recently. It's convicting for me is this question right here. Am I prioritizing happiness or holiness? Some of y'all felt what I did about three weeks ago. Like, am I prioritizing happiness or holiness? What is my quest? Even postpone what God's will for my life is right now. It's like, what is my will for my life? And if we were to go around the room, we would say, hey, if you're being honest, what your will for your life is right now is a whole lot of happiness. And I'm not even really thinking all the more about holiness. But if you wanna know what God's will for your life is, if you wanna know why this is one of the questions, one of the guiding questions, whenever it comes to figuring out God's will for your life and discerning between it, is because Paul actually writes to the church in Thessaloniki exactly what God's will for you is in this life. This is the answer. We can end the message after here. Like, this is, this is it. First Thessalonians 4, 3. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. We're gonna pause there. This is God's will for your life. Be sanctified. And some of you are like, oh, sick. And then others of you are like, what is sanctified? What, I, I've heard that, like it, it, that, that means something to me. It's one of those church words, but it's like what it means to be sanctified is to be increasingly ever becoming more like Jesus. What it means to be sanctified is to be transformed from one degree of glory of being like Jesus to the next over and over and over again as you continue to walk in faith that you become more and more like your savior. And it's a lifelong process that God's will for your life is that you do not stay at the current place that you're at in your life. And if I was to add, you know this deep down because every single one of us, man, if you're telling me that I gotta stay right here forever, that'd be the plot of a horror movie. Like I, like I don't wanna stay here forever. None of us do. I'm really grateful for the day that is today, but I'm really, really excited to see what God is gonna do next and next and next. And not in a way that is anxious, but I'm excited to become more and more like Jesus. I'm excited to look more and more like my savior. I know other people around me are so excited for me to love more and more like my savior. But we can get tricked because the fruit of the spirit, the same spirit that sanctifies is like peace and patience and kindness. And those are things that for me are pretty happy. But something that I've experienced is that you can have happiness and not have holiness that you can have all the happiness in the world, but you ain't, ain't close to having holiness. And, and what is holiness? The, the word holy literally just means to be set apart, to be set apart on purpose, to be set apart for a purpose. The reason that we say that God is holy is because he is set apart and he is not like anything else in all creation. 
So his call for you to be holy for I am holy isn't even talking about perfection as much as it's talking about, hey, I want for you to be set apart too. I want for you to be different. And every single one of us deep within us, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, you crave that as well. Am I prioritizing happiness or holiness? This question right here, am I prioritizing happiness or holiness? Is something you could just keep on repeat all day. Because I don't know about you, but many of the situations that I find myself in life, they make me happy, but they aren't making me holy. Another hour of sleep would really make me happy, but it's spending time with my heavenly father in the morning that's gonna make me holy. That the relationship as it currently exists is really making me happy, but boundaries is the thing that's gonna make me holy. That being the captain of my own ship, being the king of my own life is going to make me happy, but it's not the thing that is ultimately gonna make me holy because chasing happiness is fleeting. Chasing happiness is a feeling. Chasing happiness has never worked out for anybody. The pursuit of happiness is a myth that we dangle in front of ourselves and talk ourselves into believing that that is available for us. But the pursuit of holiness that's an invitation for each and every one of us because the pursuit of holiness actually gives us true life. It actually, this relationship with God actually leads to more life, more love and more peace and more of the things that we all wanted in the first place. And it does lead to more sacrifice. It does lead to more serving of others, but in such a way that it's worth it. Am I prioritizing happiness or holiness? Maybe for you, the reason why you have a problem with the church is because you know too many people that claim to be followers of Jesus that are much more concerned with their happiness than it is being set apart from the world. And this question isn't meant to shame. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You've been set free from that in Romans 8. But the reason that this question exists is because like we said before, you want to be able to discern God's will for your life. And if God has a will for my life, I want to be able to take part of it. The answer to this question is gonna get you there. Question number three. Again, another question that I've grown up on is what does love require of me? What does love require of me? It's an extremely simple question. It's an extremely straightforward question. But the answer to this question is going to drive you to places that you never even knew existed. It's gonna drive you to love in ways that you never even knew was possible. Wanna know what love's gonna require of you? We look to see to the person that required of himself a love that is unlike anything the world has ever seen. John chapter 13, 34. John is talking to his disciples and he says this, a new command I give you, the same type of command for you to be able to store up in your heart. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. 
By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This command that he's given to his, to his disciples and the same command that he gives to everybody who claims to be a follower of Jesus is a new command I give you, love one another. And he says, as I have loved you, well, you've gotta love one another. He means two things whenever you, he says this, whenever you experience God's love, you can't help but be transformed by it and begin to do that for other people. It's contagious. But the other thing is like, hey, as I have loved you in the way that I have loved you, in the fashion that I have loved you, that's gonna be your guiding principle. What does love require of you? I want you to look at the way that I've loved you and that's how you should love other people. And he says that, hey, this is actually the distinct mark of a disciple, of a follower of Jesus, of a Christian, that you love. You can have all the things in the world, but if you do not have love, it's pointless. And if I was one of the disciples at this moment, I mean like live action whenever he's saying this, I would think like, yeah, Jesus, like you're one of the most loving people I've ever met. Like, I mean, you, 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 you perform miracles. You made the blind man see, that was super loving. You fed the hungry, it's incredibly loving. You put money in the pockets of the poor, that, that's super loving. I mean, Jesus, I used to be a fisherman, but you gave me a job and a purpose. And it's like, that was one of the most incredibly loving things, not just for me, but for my brother, like, Jesus, you're loving. And they had no idea, no matter how many times Jesus told them of the love that was gonna be poured out on a cross, a sacrifice for a world that did not deserve it. And he loved them anyway. People that he had never even met, people that wanted him dead. For Jesus to look his enemies in the eyes and whenever he says, don't hate your enemies, love them. And he put his money where his mouth is as he breathed his last breath. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, as I loved you dying on a cross, giving my life, you must give yours. And I can't imagine what the disciples thought whenever they finally saw the greatness, the great act of love that Jesus, as he poured out his blood, performed on Good Friday and how excited and elated they were whenever the tomb is empty. But I know that it had a profound impact on their life because we see later on the disciples we read in 1 John in a, later, in a letter much later, 1 John chapter four, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. The disciples, they even take it one step further. It's like, hey, love is not just the distinguishing mark of a follower of Jesus. If you claim to know God, but you do not love, I really, really want to bring into question the way that you know God. Whenever we know God, love permeates every single part of our being. And why does this matter whenever it comes to discernment? I mean, it's great talking about love and it's great talking about the sacrifice of Jesus, of your savior, but, but what does this have to do with God's will for my life? Well, it's actually really simple. If you don't know love, you don't know God. And if you don't know God, 
How can you know his will? If you don't know love, according to 1 John, you don't know God. And if you don't know God, how can you know his will? If you want to know God's will for your life, if you want to be able to understand not just the direction, but the discernment, these three questions. And I know you might be thinking, man, it, that feels too simple. But the reality is, is that God has actually given us everything that we need to be everything that he has called us to be. That God has given you everything you need to be the person, to grow and be sanctified into the person that God has called you to be. These three questions in light of my past experiences, my present circumstances, and future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing to do? Am I prioritizing happiness or holiness? And what does love require of me? As you ask the question, what should I major in? Well, is my life about happiness or holiness? As you ask the question, should, should I say yes to that first date or that eighth date Is this wise for my future hopes and dreams in light of my past, present, and future? As you figure out boundaries within a relationship, what does love require of me? And it does love honor? And if the answer is yes, then this relationship and the way that I'm conducting it, it's not, not honoring to me or them. Should, should, should I go out with them, should I, should I party with them? Should I spend my days wrapped up in that? These questions help us answer those decisions little by little. And I remember whenever I was in the season of life that a lot of y'all are in, I was 19 years old. I was in college and, and if you were to ask me at the age of 18, I could have told you a lot of things about God's will for my life. I could have told you a lot of things about God's direction for my life. I could have told you what job I was gonna have. I could have told you what my major was actually gonna end up being. I would have told you where, where what, who I was gonna be marrying. I could have told you the friend group that was never gonna leave. I, I could have told you a lot about the plans that I was certain that God had for my life. And I prayed a prayer. It was an awesome prayer. It's a prayer that was difficult, but I prayed, God, I want to follow you with my entire life. Would you allow anything that needs to happen in my life for me to be the man that you've called me to be, that you need me to be on behalf of those around me? And all the things I would have told you at 18, by 19 going on trouble, on 20, I realized I was in trouble because I didn't know anymore who I was gonna marry I didn't know anymore who really had my back. I didn't know anymore what job I was gonna have. I didn't know any, all the things that I thought were certain began to crumble around me. And I began to slip into habits and I began to slip in decisions that, that were not best for my life. And I began to be, as many of you probably are overwhelmed and exhausted and tired by even the smallest of decisions. Some of that I make were good and then many of them I made were terrible. And I remember looking at God and praying and, and I was a follower of Jesus at the time and saying like, God, I need help. 
Like you say that the Holy Spirit is a helper. I need help because in this moment, I don't know what your plans for my life are and I'm beginning to lose trust. I'm beginning to lose faith because everything I thought was certain isn't. I need your help. I need your spirit with me. And the reality is that as much as we have these questions and as much as we have a handle, that you can try to wise your way, logic your way, ask questions your way into health in your life, but without a relationship with Jesus, without the help of the Holy Spirit, it is really hard to understand and discern the will of your heavenly father. And so I just knew that God was calling me, hey, I need you to build your life on me. And for many of us, building is a passive thing, that building is something that we allow to happen to us, that we just wait and then eventually that God is just gonna build it. But if there's anything that I've learned in preparing for tonight, and there's anything that I hope that you've learned, is that if you're just waiting on God to do something miraculous in your life and give you every bit of direction that you need, I just wanna let you know that he has given you his spirit to be able to help you discern. That we don't need to just wait passively, but you can act in action today. That building your life and looking into his word and praying to him and being in community here at TLR or wherever you can find it more than just Wednesday nights, but each and every day, it actually works because there is actually a God that is working on your behalf. And he doesn't just invite you to be a bystander, but he invites you to build alongside him. So the band's coming up and we're, we're gonna sing this song. It's an oldie, but a goodie. And so my hope for you as this plays, if you wanna stand up, go for it. If you, if you want to come up to the front and lift your hands, go for it. If you need to, to stay seated because it's like, man, God, you've brought some things to my attention tonight and I just need to wrestle with them, go for it. If you need to pray over somebody next to you or be prayed for, go for it. I don't know what that is, but you owe it to yourself to ask those three questions. And I would encourage you that it's the best thing you could ever do to build your life on Jesus. So Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for today. God, it is amazing to sit in your presence. It's amazing to be here in this room, God. And I pray that more than just motivated, more than just inspired, God, that we would be charged to action. But Lord, we put our trust in you. That all of our efforts wouldn't be for naught because our efforts are paired with your spirit. So God, be with the person in this room that's wrestling with that for the first time. Be with the person in this room that's been in relationship with you for a while, but needs to kick it into a different gear because they've realized that they're missing out on discernment. God, would you be with us in this place? We love you, Lord. And all of TLR said, amen.